We are three best friends living on three corners of the country. Wifing, momming, boss babing, and honestly, just trying to keep our shit together. Anyway, I'm Allie. I'm Alicia. I'm Elisa, and this is A3 Life. Our fun, funny, and informative lifestyle podcast, where we will be speaking on how to be fearless, authentic, and relentless in all areas of life. Enjoy the show. Thank you guys for joining us today on A3 Life. We are super, super excited. We have an absolute powerhouse, badass woman here. Um, Her name is Heather Love. We are super excited. I could go into this long intro telling you about everything she's been through and what she's conquered, but honestly, um, it's definitely something that she needs to share um, herself. I think that's going to be the best uh, for everybody today. So Heather, thank you for being here with us. We're super excited. I can't wait for you to share your story. There's, there's just so much. So welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Um, it's definitely, um, it's been a, it's been a rocky road, but um, things are definitely on the upside. So Heather, a lot of people, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that, um, you know, a lot of our listeners don't know you and don't know your story. So would you mind kind of just taking us back, filling us in? Where did, you know, where did you come from? Like, like help us build that story so we know you and can kind of follow your journey and just, you know, hear where, you know, where everything started and and what you've come through. And so is total transparency, Heather, like, don't feel like we want to empower people. We want to know the story. We want to encourage people that have come from sort, some sort of abuse and things like that. We want raw and real. So give us all the things, my yes. friend. This, the mic is yours. You can say whatever you'd like. You don't have to hold back. There's nothing you have to leave out. You can, if you choose, we just want you to know that the stage is yours. And like Elisa said, there's so many women who listen and, and I always just like to, you know, remind myself when I talk, remind somebody else that you don't know who's listening and who needs to hear your words, your struggle, your story, where you've been, what you've gone through, because that's what makes things so relatable. So take it away, sister. So um, my name is Heather Love, and I will be turning 38 soon. Um, I come from a little town in Pennsylvania. It's called Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, I was born and raised there. And um, it's been known to be the poorest city in our nation. Um, there's not much here. So with poverty comes lack of everything. Um, I, my parents were young when they had me. Um, My dad dropped out of, oh my God, I don't even think he went, I think he was in eighth grade. He dropped out of school. Um, My mom did graduate, but because they were so young and they were figuring out life, they made a lot of mistakes raising their kids. And um, I was three years old when I told my mom I was being molested by a family member. And, I have a lot of memories of the things that happened to me, but I don't, um, I blocked a lot of it out also. Um, Because it was a family member, um, I struggled for years um, with the relationship that I didn't have with my parents um, because um, 
not only was it a family member, it led on to two other people throughout my life. It was um, a babysitter, a babysitter's brother, and um, an old man who used to take me to church. So I struggled for years feeling like my parents didn't love me. They didn't protect me. And my dad, um, he was verbally abusive to my mom. So um, he was mean and nasty. And I just didn't grow up with love anywhere around me. Um, I had a bro- I have a brother, but we're not close because of the dynamics that we grew up. We, you know, it, it was just bad for us. Um, I left home at 14 years old. Um, and I went to go live with my mother's father and his wife. She had just had a stroke and they needed someone to help take care of her. I was 14. I was in high school. I was getting up in the middle of the night to take care of her. She was paralyzed on her left side. She had diabetes, just lots of health problems. And when I wasn't at school, I was taking care of her. Um, That was very, very trying because although I was grateful to no longer be under my parents' roof, what I was living through there was completely different. Um, I wasn't always, it wasn't really great. I was there for a couple months and then my grandfather found out he had cancer and within five months he died. So all of these experiences, all of these things, um, they, they forced me to become stronger, right? They forced me to rely on myself, but I was still so young feeling alone and trying to figure out life. So what do girls do who are looking for love? They find it in all the wrong places. And I chose all the wrong boys. And um, I had an on and off boyfriend um, who didn't become abusive until I was six months pregnant. And at the age of 18, I was a single mom trying to keep this thing together that should have never been in the first place, feeling like I was wrong for trying to do it by myself. I had too much ego to go home to my mom. I did not want to be there. I ended up living in a woman's shelter for a little bit of time. I was homeless for a period of time. I slept in an abandoned house with my baby at nighttime because I did not want to go home. I didn't want to go back to him. I was just trying to figure out life. And um, I had this little boy that I had to take care of. And I was determined to make things better for us. But I just, you know, like I didn't know how to all the time. And um, the boyfriend never really left me alone. he was on again, off again, because I would leave him for a period of time, be tired of his shit, and um, he'd come back, and I'd take him back, and um, things would be good for a little bit, and then they would be really bad, and um, 
he used to threaten to take away my son. Like he did so many controlling things. This one relationship tainted so much of me. It took so much from me. It scared me. It made me not ever want to be in another relationship. He controlled everything. Um, he tried to get me fired from jobs. Every time I tried to do something to get away from him, like he would do something else. He used to tell me he was going to take my son from me. And um, one time I left for good. And I finally had gotten my own apartment. And, um, you know, I was doing good and I was away from him. And he got a whole bunch of parking tickets. And the car was in my name, but I wasn't allowed to have it. And they came and they arrested me for these parking tickets. And we had to go to court and the judge told me if I could prove that I didn't have the car, that they would get rid of all the tickets. So we went back to court and I had the proof. And at this court hearing, um, he threatened to kill me in front of the district justice. And um, that day, that night, um, he sent his girlfriend to attack me and um, I protected myself. But because I protected myself, um, charges were filed against me. And I went on trial for an entire year um, trying to, you know, make everyone else believe that I was just protecting myself. And there were so many things that were in my favor. There were policemen that were there that had arrested him from my house. So many things had happened. And after a year of hell, I... Um, the charges were dropped. I was acquitted. Um, it was self-defense, but it was after an entire year. And the mental anguish that I was going through, the anxiety and the stress, I was having panic attacks. I was on tons of medication. Um, I had moved out of my apartment because I was scared to be there. And um, I was just in a really, really dark place. And I was on lots of medications that I didn't ever really feel like they were helping me. But I had finally gotten to a normal place and I had went back to work. And um, I kept saying how I needed a vacation. I needed a vacation. I don't, I remember saying these words. And, um, a friend at work, well, somebody from work, um, knew the things that were happening in my life, knew where I was, and took advantage of it. Um, my birthday is May 1st. So um, he told me that he had to go home to Columbia. That's where he was from. Uh, his mom was selling her home, and she was in the process of getting her citizenship and because of it she couldn't leave the country so he was going to go home and he was going to get the deed to her house so he could help her sell it and since it was around my birthday we could go for my the week of my birthday and go to these beautiful beaches and I could get my vacation and I could get away and just relax on the beach with some drinks and um 
I'd never been out of the country before. I never had a passport. I'd never been anywhere outside in my little rinky-dink town, maybe to like a neighboring state in Delaware or something, but I was poor. Like I worked to live really, right? I was living in my mom's house, but before that I was living in an, a building that was, um, it wasn't section eight, but it went off of your income. So if I wasn't making any money, I still had a place to live and they weren't going to kick me out kind of thing with subsidized housing is what it was. Um, so I took him up on this offer. Now he wasn't a boyfriend. He was just a friend, but his intentions were not what I believed they were. And he wasn't the person that I thought he was. And um, April 28th, 2006, um, when we were supposed to be coming home from this trip, it's 14 years today, I was arrested in the airport. There was cocaine in his suitcase his second suitcase that had passed and wasn't being checked. They already made it on the plane. And he tagged it with my name. And because he tagged it with my name, I was charged with the drugs. And um, I ended up living in a prison for three years in a country where I didn't speak the language. I had a five-year-old little boy at home and I had to leave him with the same person who left all of these horrible things happen to me. So many things happened while I was in that place. After, um, it was about eight months after I had a mental breakdown, I lived in a crazy house for a couple weeks. After about eight months, I finally realized I wasn't going anywhere and I kind of accepted that that's where I was going to be for however long and um, had to live through it. I taught myself Spanish. I started doing hair and nails so that I could live because um, you get absolutely nothing there. Nothing like no toilet paper, no pads, no toothpaste, not a blanket. If you don't have soap to wash your clothes, you're going to be wearing dirty clothes. Like, I say nothing, nothing. If you didn't have soap to clean your plastic bowls, you couldn't go get food. Um, and I didn't have any money, and I didn't have any family, and I didn't have anybody there to help me do anything. And um, there was this little old lady who found me, and she couldn't speak English, but she was like my little angel. And she would bring me um, packages and things, and once I got in really good with the guards, um, she'd meet them and give them my chemical products so I could do people's hair and make some money. And um, she helped me get through it. I got really sick at the end of my time there. Um, I always had really bad periods, really bad. Um, but, you know, I just chalked it up because they were bad periods. and. Um, at the end of my time in prison, um, I was started hemorrhaging. I was losing a lot of weight. My hair was falling out. And 
if they don't give you anything you can imagine like there's no good medical care there and um i was getting worse and worse and the embassy made the prison take me out to see a doctor a real doctor and they had to do surgery and when i was in prison i found out that i have stage four endometriosis and when they went inside my bowels were glued to my uterus and they said it was all over they had scraped off what they could but i would never have babies again and um all i had done for those three years that i was there was think about coming home and being able to give my son a family like create a family for him and little by little these things were being taken from me um but because i got sick my judge came to see me one day and asked me if i had some place to go and that little old lady was my place to go and he told me to write him a letter and he would give me house arrest and i could finish the rest of my time living in the street and then he would let me go home and two weeks later he let me out of the prison and it was the week before Thanksgiving. I'll never forget it because I do Thanksgiving so big every year because of it, because Thanksgiving to me is exactly what it's supposed to be. I'm so incredibly grateful for everything, every single year, even when things are hard. Um, and I got out in November and um, I was able to come home in April. Um, it was almost exactly three years. It was April 22nd when I was, when I touched down and I got back home to him. And um, even though I called him, even though I sent him things, when I came home, he didn't recognize me. That was hard. It was so hard trying to rebuild the relationship that I had lost with this little boy. Um, but I never lost focus of, um, I wanted to give him a good life. I wanted to give him a better life. And I wanted to make up for the time that I had missed. And um, I started, um, little by little, I started working my way to make that happen. Um, uh, I got a job and then, after the job, well, during the job, uh, which it was a pretty decent job, um, I got my real estate license and um, I bought us our very first home, a single family home in the suburbs. And I got him into a better, better school district and um, things just started changing for us. Um, I um, met a man in 2012 and um before we were together a year we were married and um my husband when i met him he came into my life with kids from previous relationships and his son from his previous marriage was five when i met him so it was like God was continuing to give me these things that had been taken from me.
So the years that I lost with my son from five to eight, I was able to recoup that with him. He lives here now with me. He's here full time. Um, but uh, this man that had came into my life that was the first thing, first person who would ever show me real love, like it was crazy. And um, he also came with a vasectomy. And so on top of the doctors telling me that I wasn't going to have any more babies. Now I have this person that I am utterly in love with. And I never thought about marriage like that. Like I, I was pretty against it actually. Um, but things started changing and I, and I thought that that was the right thing to do. And, um, we got married. Um, but before we got married, um, I asked him if he would consider getting a reversal done because I'd already accepted the fact that I would never have babies again, but I wanted to at least try. Um, I don't think that I would have ever been able to live with myself if I would not have tried. And he agreed um, to have a reversal. And before we were married, we flew out to Missouri and we, we got it reversed. And um the very first time we tried, I got pregnant. The very first time. And I never thought that would happen. So I was in complete shock when it did. But what I was never prepared for was to lose it at 12 weeks. It completely crushed me. So all of these things that I had been able to overcome and persevere through, this thing that I never imagined happen, happening, happened and it completely rocked my world like i i fell into a bad depression like um a few months later i i was able to get pregnant again but because i was so depressed i was so scared of losing that baby i wasn't happy right like i finally had the thing that i thought i wanted for 14 years and um, I couldn't be excited. I couldn't, I couldn't let myself get attached to this baby that was growing inside of me. And even as I got bigger and bigger, I just got scared because I knew at any time, it doesn't matter. Like until I had her in my hands, it wasn't going to be real for me. And then I had her and I didn't feel like I knew I should have felt. Um, the months had been going by and um, I just was going deeper and deeper, deeper into a dark place. And it felt like nothing I was doing was helping me get to where I knew I needed to be. I was sad and crying all the time. I wasn't sleeping. I was exclusively breastfeeding and I was working full time. I was sleep deprived. So you got all these crazy things going on and um, I had this little baby and I just wanted to be better, right? I was as big as a house. I gained a ton of weight. I gained weight with the, the miscarriage. And then, you know, I was eating and on medicines and all kinds of things. So I was gaining more weight even before the pregnancy happened. And I just didn't like myself. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the refre reflection I saw of myself in the mirror. And um, along came network marketing into my life. Losing weight was the first part of it, right? I started losing weight, but I found this community of people 
who accepted me without knowing anything about me. And for years, I had been living a decent life, but in a bubble, right? I didn't let anybody know these things about me, these things that I was so ashamed of. And not so much ashamed, I just... I didn't want to be judged by people because that's what we do. We're nasty people. Not, we just, we, we hear the worst of people and that's how we look at them. And it stops so much and it holds us back. And I lived in that. I lived in, in, in being scared of someone finding out my truth. And, um, I found this world of strangers on the internet, these people who some were just losing weight and others were like feeding these things, like putting these things into my mind about self-development and following, you know, it just opened a whole new world to me. Um, and it was things that I'd never had heard before. And um, I just started clinging to it from a distance, from a distance. Like I never, um, I was watching and listening and learning things. Um, but I wasn't reaching out to people. I wasn't making connections. I was just doing my own little thing, um, for a long time. And, um, it has been a really rocky road but once I really opened up, like once I started reaching out, once I started making real connections with people like yourself, um, it changed for me. It changed so drastically because I never knew. I never, not that I didn't know, right? I didn't realize there were so many more people out there like me that could relate to the things that I had been through that need to see somebody's gone through the worst of things and you can still persevere. You can still get on top. You can still do these things that people have told you you would never do. And it, losing the weight helped me learn to love myself more it gave me the confidence to speak up and know that just like all those other things, the weight didn't define me. Those things that I had gone through, the things that I had been through and lived through as horrible as they were, they taught me so much about myself. They taught me about life. They put my priorities into perspective. They made me a strong, independent, woman and mother until I found a person who was worthy of letting that wall down for you know like we can be all these things I was an independent mom I'm an independent woman like and deciding I wanted to get married and I felt like I was losing parts of myself and in and this whole network marketing thing I found like I found a passion like I've always been a people person I've always wanted to help people but I get to do it in so many different ways now just by being me just by opening up just by sharing myself with the world really and not being ashamed of who I am Ooh, Heather that was that was 
that was emotional. That was a that was a road trip, and I just applaud you because I was like, I, I lose it. I'm I'm super emotional, so I'm like, oh girl, oh, I'm over here crying, <laughs> crying. I mean, that was wow. You are just I I just have no words for the. You are why we are doing this. Like y- these stories are why we wanted to bring the month of May into stories of women like you that have overcome this and have this passion and love and they've taken what has happened to them and not let it define them because I'm the same way. I, I struggle with infertility. I've been very public about that, but it does not define who I am. We all have something in our lives that has happened to us that we could be a victim of you more than me for sure, but I don't let it define me. So I, I love the fact that you have all these terrible things that just happened to you, not even in any cause of your own, quite frankly. These, these things didn't happen to you because you did something. They were what you were dealt, right? Like, honestly, that's, that's the only way I know how to describe it. You didn't deserve these things, but that's kind of what you were given to deal with. That's the hand you were dealt for whatever reason. And I feel like people could have taken this two ways. They could have... You could have turned to drugs. You could have turned to alcohol. You could have turned to, I mean, this could have just absolutely destroyed you and destroyed your life and destroyed your family. But instead you chose to rise up, like rise up and let it motivate you. I mean, the exact words you said were, I wanted to make a better life for my son. That's how you came out of it. You hustled in prison. You I hustled did. Colombian prison where everyone was speaking Spanish I would be scared to death like I I I mean that alone I would I I don't know that that I'm just so in awe over all of this quite frankly I'm just completely I worked from day to night some days girls would be lined outside of my room and it was even in that even in those things right like people kept testing me like um telling me you're never going to get this so we had a salon in the per in the prison right and it was it was it was a 248 which meant it was a job that for every day you went to work it eliminated one day off of your sentence but apparently well you were supposed to have like these really large sentences to be able to get those kinds of jobs um and they People kept telling me, you're never going to get that job. But every single month, once I knew that that was an option, like I could work in a salon, um, every single month I got people to help me write letters until I figured out how to speak and write Spanish myself and I could write my own letters. Every month, somebody wrote a letter for me to send it in to try to help me get into the job, into the salon. But even before I finally, I did finally get into the salon. Um, But before I did, I was... I found ways, like I was doing things I wasn't supposed to. I got a blow dryer in there. I got scissors. I got nail polish. And like, I was, I, I worked, like I had to figure it out. I I ended up being able to support myself. And I had somebody washing my clothes because I could not wash my clothes. Like, like rocks. Like it was literally these tubs, these basins where water would be on one side and the other side was, uh, 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 like a sheet of rocks and on the rocks you cleaned your clothes and like I would cut my fingers and I never did it right and like I was able to pay somebody to do my wash but yes I hustled my ass through that prison 
That's awesome. Now let's talk about the little old lady. How did you meet? Because that, that, I have questions now. How did you so, meet? Got a lot of questions here. <laughs> so the little old lady came to me um, from the guy who got me locked up. His name was Danny. He was Colombian and his grandmother and her were best friends and they had started a church many years ago. Um, and when it happened, I guess his mom called her mom and her mom called her friend and said, look, he did this. There's this girl there. She doesn't speak any Spanish. She's all alone. And she just came to my aid. Um, and she knew the family background. She knew the whole dynamic. So she had even more knowledge of she knew way more about these people than I did. And um, that's how she came. And the first time I met her, she was at one of my preliminary hearings and she was literally, she's a little, she's little, <laughs> she's little. She was in her seventies um, and she was standing there. And um, I don't know if she had a Bible in her hand or she had something in her hand, but she looked at me and she said, Heather, that's all she could really say. She couldn't, they don't even really say my name right, but that's all she could say. And I said, Hilda, her name was Hilda. And she shook her head. Yes. And she just hugged me. And from that day on, like, she would come visit me when she could come visit me. She would bring me food on the weekends. She, um, when I was sick, she went and she found my medicine and she, like, she did everything she possibly could. And, um, <laughs> when I got married, she got a visa and she was there and she was with me the day that I got married too. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And even, like love knew no language there you didn't mm -mm. Even speak the same I didn't. language no she used to come with a dictionary she used to come with a spanish english dictionary and that's that's how we used to communicate in the beginning wow wow so do you keep in touch with her like yes Aww. Yes, I still keep in touch with her and her family. And we now she's finally gotten the Facebook thing. They do lives now and I get to see them in church and we talk back and forth. And um, yeah, so I am still very much in contact with them. They are such a big part of my life and I will be forever grateful. It's like, you know, the things that I lacked in life, you know, the things that I didn't get from the people I was supposed to get it from, God still found a way to show me that, you know, you can have these things and these things are real and they exist. And I got them, you know, the family, the family part, the love part, I got that from her, um, I guess at the time when I, I needed it the most um, because she filled me with so much strength um, and it, uh, I don't even know. Like I could not, I would not be here where I am today without, you know, the words of encouragement that she gave me and how much, you know, she, she just lifted me up as much as she could. Yeah. And those things that you, that were so like terribly taken away from you at such a young age, you know, like I have a three-year-old. So just thinking about some of the things that you said, like guts me, you know, um, but it showed up for you in such a big, big way later in life. And I think that that is so incredible. And I also think like they were saying, like the hustle and the grit that, that you had to learn to get through some of those things, even before the, the craziness of the prison thing happened, 
Um, I think I, you know, I see that in your story with, you know, getting a real, just, it's just simple, like as simple as a real, the real estate license. That is not an easy thing to Oh accomplish. my God. That was so hard. Yes. I failed that test five times. <laughs> I was so determined to pass that test. Like I kept getting discouraged and people kept telling that test is so hard. You're never going to pass it. Like I was determined. Like I failed five times. I was like, I am not going to stop going until I pass this test. Like yeah, I'm when you going to pass when you I go through the twice, Heather, by the way <laughs> it is hard i felt it two times when so, you go geez. through the <laughs> things that you go through though it's like listen ain't no real estate <laughs> test gonna get me down i figured this out yeah <laughs> like, like, i'm taking this bucket. test by the balls <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. And I did. I got got paid to buy my own house. (laughs) Like I got a check in the mail for buying my own house. Like I felt that that did so much for me when I finally did it. Uh, It wasn't my, it wasn't my first customer, but like the fact that I actually did that, I just felt like, oh, this is so boss. Like this is like like everything. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. You know what, Heather, like I've always been your biggest cheerleader. I just think that you are amazing. You are beautiful. It shows, it radiates, and you speak so much strength. And I'm so proud of you and happy that you have just stepped up and stepped out and shared your story. I know you are super nervous and scared and, and afraid to you know, just to kind of come out, but you did it. Not only did you conquer all those things, because to me, that is conquering. Because even though you went through things that I don't know if, I'm telling you right now, like, I don't know if a lot of people would be able to come out the other end the way you did. I know that that's true because even while living it, I knew that I had to be stronger than my circumstances right I was in there with people who couldn't like I was in there with people who committed suicide I was in there with people who let the drugs get the best of them because they couldn't stand living in their reality they couldn't stand the fact that they were really in this prison and dealing with the things that we were dealing with and instead of making use of the time that you know they had to sit there they made it so much worse for themselves. And there was a journalist who found me while I was in the prison. And um, he, he actually, he was my ticket home because I didn't even have a way to get myself home to buy a plane ticket. They took my passport. They never gave it back. Like, you know, um, he found me while I was in there and um, he had originally years before ever meeting me, he was trying to do a story with someone who he had found in the prison. She had a child at home and he was supposed to go home with her and she ended up dying in the street. She was a drug addict and um, he never got to do that. Um, but he, he, he did it with me. He was able to do, he was able to pull off his story the way that he had envisioned it. Um, but I did that documentary out of like necessity, right? It was, I I didn't give a crap about somebody seeing it or hearing it. It was in Spanish, most of it. It was prime, it was in, this is 2009, right? So this is way before, you know, everything was everywhere. Um, So the internet was there, but it wasn't as, you know, 
it wasn't as readily available as it is right now. So I didn't care. I needed to get home and I was going to do that to get home and whatever came, came. Right. But after that, I never, ever spoke about it again. Like if you, unless somebody knew what had happened to me, I never talked about it. But this last documentary, these people have been on me for 11 years <laughs> trying to get me to do this story. And, um, I was nervous. I was scared. I was so scared because this now, this is English. This is National Geographic. This is national TV. Like people are going to see it, but I, I was in a different place, right? Like I, I have this community now of people that I know, um, you know, who were rooting for me and I felt encouraged and it was still even in that it was empowering, but I was so nervous because like now there's no going back, right? There's no, I'm, I'm going to stand up and this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to put it out there and I don't care what anybody says. And like, you have to prepare yourself for that too. Like that was a long time coming me hearing the nasty things that people had to say about it because I knew that that was inevitable, right? There's going to be people that hear my story and don't believe me and say mean and nasty things. Um, but I was not going to let, I'm not going to let those things, you know, affect me in a negative light. Like I'm just not, I'm yeah, just so not, they don't own me. Let's talk about that a little bit. So you did the, you did the Spanish version of the documentary and then National Geographic did a documentary on you. So how did that come about? You said they were on you for 11 years. So how did they find your story? How did you like win and how did you decide to make the decision um, to do it? And what was it like do, having a National Geographic, freaking National <laughs> <It> was, Geographic? <laughs> it was very, very nerve wracking. So at first I was, um, at first, I was very nervous about even talking to these people. They found me. Um, somebody else had done a story and told them about me, basically, is how they found me. Um, and I had started, you know, talking to them through um, email and um, then over the phone. But once they started, once I knew that they were serious, like, and they really wanted to do this story on me, I got really scared and I stopped answering their messages. I stopped answering the phone. I stopped answering the emails. Like I completely went ghost on them. And um, one day uh, out of the clear blue sky, there was a voice message from, it clearly had a London accent and they were saying that they wanted me to return a phone call. And I, kind of had an idea what it was about but I wasn't sure so I called the number and it um it took me to a person it wasn't the person who left the message but they knew who I was um and so we started the communication over again and I started talking to my husband about it and I'm like babe I think I'm gonna do it this time like um National Geographic wants to do a to do my story. Um, so this was different this time they were, I was offering, you know, they were offering to pay me. So there was a little bit of incentive in this. It wasn't just a free ride. Um, but on top of them paying me to do this, they also offered to fly me to London, um, to put me in the hotel, to, to pay all my expenses. 
Um, and it was basically a week that I would be there. Um, so was there a party really quick? Was there a party? Was that the first time that you would have flown international just kind of since everything? No, but it was the furthest I was going and it, it felt weird, right? It felt like all over again, the Columbia thing, because it was somebody paying for my passport. They bought me a new passport. They paid for everything, right? So it wasn't the first time because on my honeymoon, me and my husband, we went to Dominican Republic. So that would... Um, that was the first time that I had flown out of the country. You were um, a close eye on that luggage. Oh, I, I, I freak all the way out. And my husband, he gets like, so I irritated. <laughs> I, I carry all my stuff on. And if it's not being, like, I tape it up in, in saran wrap. Like, I play no You're games. Like, oh, I lock everything. <laughs> um, I, I freak all the way out in the airport. But, yes, yeah, so, like, the whole them wanting to send me, like, I, I was very nervous. Um, but they spoke English there. Um, so that wasn't so well, know, and now scary. You speak so it's I, yeah, so now <laughs> I speak Spanish, so that's okay. That's it's actually a tool that I have in my tool bag. So I get to <laughs> use it when I need it. And um that was very it was very good that I taught myself and I learned because it's something that is especially where I live, I live in a community. Um, where it's very multicultural and like being able to speak Spanish is it's something that's very good for me it looks good on resumes it look you know it's just something that helps me so I went so I told my husband I was like listen if we're gonna do this like first of all I have a whole family now right like I have eight kids so we are a blended family I had two babies me and my husband had two babies together there's eight kids in total and there's five that live in my house right I have a, you know a, a kid in middle school my my son he's he's now graduated but still in, in it, what I do affects their life right so like this was a collective idea whether I would go through with this or not um my kids were like completely thrilled. They were over the moon. They were like, yeah, like you have to do it. And so they, um, they were on board with it. And um, one of the things that I had done um, while I was in prison is I kept journals. I journaled to my son almost on a daily basis. And the things that I had imagined my life, like I wrote them down on paper and I would tell him how I wanted our life to be and, you know, all the things that I wanted to accomplish. And um, they were like reminders, like this was kind of like my bucket list that I was creating and I didn't really know that I was doing these things. Um, one of the things um, that I said I was going to do was going to be, I wanted to go to Paris and go to the Eiffel Tower. It was one of my things that just, I wanted to travel. And um, I told my husband, if we go to London, we're going to Paris. Like, I'm not going all the way over there and I'm not going to take advantage of this opportunity. So um, I paid nothing for the whole London trip, not the flight, nothing. Um, they, they fed us, they paid for everything. Um, but when we were done filming, um, we hopped on the Eurostar and we went to Paris for two days. And um, I was able to um, see Paris. So I, um, it was amazing. It was, it was an amazing trip. It was very, um, it was very nerve wracking because 
I had to prepare myself, right, to be on camera, to be on TV, to say and speak about the things that had caused me so much trauma. And, um, oh, my goodness, it, it was hard. It, it was hard to be emotional and raw and real with them. But I felt like it was also a release, right? It was also my moment that I was able to just feel like, these things happened to me, but they did not crush me. They did not cause me to become less than. They they just gave me the grit to want better. And that's all I wanted. I wanted better. And I I am determined to be that changing force in my family. And I have been so far. And being on national TV and, you know, most of the, most of the, the things are actually positive and encouraging and it has been so much more empowering than anything negative. And it's like the true, like the true definition of like coming full circle. I bet it felt like that to you where you were like, this has come all the way around. I'm in freaking Paris, yes. which I said I was going to do. And I've been here because I was talking about that thing that happened to me, you know? So I feel like that had to have been just like the most, ha, like I did it moment. Yes. Like you felt so accomplished. Like nobody wants to have to go through those things to go to Paris. Like I wouldn't have signed up for this. Right. <laughs> but like um, the fact that these horrible things are what led me there, those, these things just by talking just by talking and, and the people that I'm meeting and these connections that I'm growing just by being honest and telling people, you know, the thing that had happened to me. Heather, did you ever, I don't know why I just keep thinking this, but share with your notebook for your journal that you were writing stuff in? I have the notebooks. I have three of them. Um, I have been, and originally when the first documentary came out, I was propositioned a lot about a lot of things. Um, I was asked to write a book a couple times. Um, and it's something that I said I would do. And for a long time, every time I would try to read the books, um, it would just send me in a downward spiral and I couldn't get through them. And I just said, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself through that. But I am finally in a much better place where I've actually started writing things. Um, and I've started rereading the journals and I am little by little piecing things together so that I can, I can do the book. Um, that is going to be my next biggest project. I mean, look at you. <laughs> Just look at you. I mean, you've gone through so much more than I'm sure most anybody could bear. And you are so strong. I, I mean, you are literally absolutely amazing. I hope Thanks. you never, ever, ever for one second, ever second guess or doubt how strong and beautiful and amazing you are more than a conqueror it you blow me away i will forever be your biggest cheerleader you just mm -hmm. rock my world 
That means so much because you were one of the reasons why I got so into this, like so from afar. Like I swear I watched you. Like every time I would see somebody post your testimony, like your before and afters. And like it just there were so many things about not knowing you. Like I felt like I was resonating with you and I was relating with you and I just saw more and more people, but you were the one, like, before the pink hair, before, you know, like, it was you who I was just like, if she can do this, I know that I can, like, she's losing weight, like, look at her difference, like, I I can do this, and, um, yes, like, it's because of people like you that I'm even where I am. I love you, babe. I think I love you absolutely too. amazing. So where can um, people find the document? When did this air and where can they find it? Do you, do you have? Um, so it, it aired, but it's going to re-air because my episode did so well. They're going to relaunch the season and they're going to use my episode for the premiere. So it's going to relaunch again this summer. But if you, um, if they have National Geographic in their channel lineup, whoever their subscriber is, um, you can you can download Nat Geo and they have all of the episodes there kind of like on demand and it's locked up abroad and I am season, oh, season 10, episode eight. It's awesome. called Colombian awesome. Double Cross. Yeah, I actually watched that show. So I haven't seen your episode, but I watch it. Okay, well, you'll see it. And we are so looking forward to that book. I'm like, we will be your biggest support of it. I mean, we are, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thanks. I'm gonna hold you to it. We got you. <laughs> we got you. Um, so to wrap it up, I guess, um, unless the girls have any other questions for you, what would be something that you would tell somebody else that's going through something? Obviously there's, probably no way in the world somebody can we can say that something similar because there's so many things that you've been through um but just what would you either number one tell the you of uh, the you of that time or somebody else that was going through something really really difficult what what would you say to them to get them through um one of the things that i live by is um i don't know where i came across it or how it got in my head is life isn't always easy, but it's always worth living. And your circumstances do not define who you are and who you will be. You're so much stronger than the things that are coming into your path. And, you know, there's always, there's always brighter days. Um, things will get better, but you just can't, you cannot ever lose focus on who you are and the things that are most important to you. It's just really important to stand, you know, stand strong and, and knowing that you are, you're worthy and you can get through anything, absolutely anything. And the most important thing though is that you need to learn to love yourself and all of yourself. So that was the big thing for me. Like I was loving myself. Like I, I treated myself a little, I was treating myself better and I was doing better things for myself, but I hated all of those things about me that I had gone through, that I had lived through. I hated those things. And, and I learned that 
I have to love all of me to get without those things. I wouldn't be who I am today. Those things are such a huge part of you and not everything is pretty. And, um, I think it's beautiful to be beautifully broken and we all are, and it just takes a perspective to see yourself in a better light. Thanks for joining us this week on A3 Life. Make sure to join us on Facebook and Instagram at A, the number three life, Inc. And check out our online shop at A, the number three life.biz.